Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast presented as always by Esports Network in partnership with Reuters. Today we're talking about ads in video games and ads in esports. To do that, I'm joined by two experts, Itamar Benetti, co-founder and CEO of Onzu, a company that brings brands into video games, and Daniel Avital, the chief strategy officer of Czech, a military-grade cybersecurity company. Daniel, Itamar, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having us, Mitch. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, Mitch. Thank you. Thank you both for coming on. So there are two companies, Onzu and Check, both partnered uh, for this ad verification solution in gaming, uh, working with massive brands and figuring out how they can incorporate them into the gaming world. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about uh, that partnership. We're going to talk about some of the unique ways that brands have leveraged uh, in-game advertising to to connect with the esports audience and how that has impacts in different esports like Fortnite, Rocket League, and if that can expand to other esports. So first of all, I wanted to ask a little bit about this partnership. What is ad verification and why is it so difficult to do, especially in the gaming space? Well, uh, that is a very good question. I think um, the reasons that I'd say the challenges posed for doing adverification in gaming is what has kept the industry back. In a sense, I mean, adverification, just 101, really, really briefly, um, for all our listeners here, um, really today defined as the challenge of mitigating uh, ad fraud, controlling viewability, so making sure that ad placements are indeed viewable when paid for. And finally, um, protecting brands from risky content environments, uh, what's known as brand safety, and ensuring the ads are placed in an appropriate environment. So that is the ad verification uh, challenge as put to us today. Now, um, this has always been applied since ad verification became a pretty big thing uh, only quite recently, maybe four or five years ago. Uh, this has always been applied to display and video you know, programmatic environments, this is the traditional realm of ad verification, and um, you can imagine why measuring viewability for a two-dimensional display ad is a pretty straightforward technological challenge. Uh, definitely doing brand safety, so analyzing you know, maybe a CNN article uh, to gauge the nature of that content and then see if it's suitable for the brand is a bigger challenge, and these are some of the things we do at Check. And of course, ad fraud, the third part of the trifecta really about analyzing users. So I would say when you try and apply these kind of technologies to the 3D gaming space, um, the challenges are exactly that, 3D, right? Um, of course, that's not really much of a challenge for doing ad fraud or bot mitigation. I mean, you know, users are users, no matter where you run into them. And uh, ad fraud mitigation in 3D gaming is pretty similar to OTT. So that one is not too hard to do. Brand safety, I would say, almost irrelevant today. Advertisers, from what we're seeing, correct me, Itamar, if I'm mistaken, advertisers are not really looking for in-game brand safety at the moment because it's quite simple to just blacklist games which are obviously violent or grotesque and whitelist those which are benign. So there's not much of a demand right now for in-game brand safety. The big ad verification challenge really is measuring viewability. Okay, so are our ads that we're displaying for a lot of money, are these being uh, served properly and viewed properly by our viewers? And I think that's the, one of the very 
beautiful from a technological standpoint things that we achieved with with Anzu is the ability to measure your ads in a 3D gaming environment. So imagine you're cruising through the streets of wherever, I sorry, I don't play GTA, uh, and you see um, a billboard ad. It's not enough to say that ad appeared on screen for us to deem it a viewable ad. Uh, we look at the angle of the ad, the billboard that was displayed. Was it you know, completely... Uh, facing the screen or was it at an angle hard to view? We look at proximity to screen, right? Was this billboard viewed from a long distance away or was it up close in the user's face? We look at brightness, you know, was it in a very dark environment which was hard to see or in a light environment? Obstructing objects, you know, was, was there a tree in the way of the ad? All these get factored in today to measure viewability and allow, um, I think, some quite impressive results as we've recently reported uh, on Exchange Wire, I believe, which showed that we uh, improved ad viewability by, I think, 23% uh, in comparison to display. So that's in a nutshell, as brief as I can. Thank you, Daniel. And maybe I'll add, Mitch, three points uh, just to emphasize some points here. First, it's important to understand we're speaking about the gaming audience. And the AAA game and the gaming audience is very picky for user experience, for, for performance. And so the challenge here, and, and kudos to Daniel and the team at Czech, was how do we bring, how do we achieve the standards of what the gaming community and the game developers are expecting while still running real-time analysis and cybersecurity methodologies on checking ad viewability and checking brand safety. That was one challenge we saw here. Second is around standards. Today, the current standards, when Czech and Andrew started this um, mutual journey together, we saw a lot of holes and lacks about what are the verification standards and what is missing to apply that to the gaming space. And one angle is, is really the 2D versus 3D um, challenge and opportunity. Um, but another area we saw is around the gaming space having, having a, a, being a very dynamic scene and having a lot of interactivity as another challenge we needed to overcome to a bottom line, bring to, to the market a solution that the big brands will, will be happy to use and will trust as, as basically as, as this unbiased audit and to, to understand the effectiveness and the exposure of the ads. So that's the three things we saw um, uh, quite unique here. And, and maybe one more comment from my side, because Daniel spoke about brand safety in the past. Uh, violent games or first-party shooter games would be seen as violent games that a lot of brands didn't want to be associated with. With what's happening in the last few years with the success of Fortnite and Call of Duty, those, um, let's say, um, semi-violent games are becoming a popular culture. So today brands are much more open and much more interested in, in, in putting their brand and content in those environments so there's also like a lot of shifts in the industry about this. You bring up Fortnite and I'm glad you do because the change of how and how Epic Games has marketed Fortnite, they position themselves uh, in what Avengers is to John Wick, where they're violent, there's guns for sure, but nobody dies. They, they're eliminated and there's no blood. So they've they've towed that line really nicely, and that's allowed things like Star Wars and uh, Avengers and Nike 
to partner with Fortnite in ways that they would never partner with something like CSGO or Call of Duty because those games are more graphic and uh, clearly violent. So it, it brings up a good point of you know how brands' attitudes are changing, but also how games are now being manufactured with a brand in mind and bringing in these brand partnerships. You saw from the you know Fortnite from the jump had already been talking to those brands. The Avengers partnership was about a month after Battle Royale or a year after Battle Royale came out. And so you could tell that this was one of their clear goals going in. So how are games sort of changing the way they're being created to help welcome brands into them? Yeah, and, and so we have a very, very interesting topic. I think brands and games are understanding the opportunity more and more of working together. And we see uh, those two industries doing a lot of actions to, to understand the other side. So Epic, the, the owner of Fortnite, recently hired uh, as their new president uh, and the chief digital from Nike. This is just one example of the gaming industry uh, uh, wanting to be closer to, to um, the brand worlds. We saw luxury brands like Louis Vuitton sponsoring big uh, esport events, something that uh, in the past those fashion brands would see esport as a very niche, a, a non-relevant audience. Um, you mentioned Call of Duty, a lot of big brands. Uh, PepsiCo is one example of, of doing a lot of sponsorships with them. Um, so I think it, it starts from the brands realizing what is the gaming audience. Uh, it's not only a, 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 a dude locked in his basement for half of his day with no social life. And, and, and of course, as, as that happens... There is a lot of efforts of, of, of both sides coming closer. Fortnite is, is, is a good example of a game who did a lot of efforts to be more attractive to the brands. And a lot of what we do in, 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 in Anzu is, is trying to find this bridge between the artwork of the game and the brand who wants exposure to, to um, audiences in scale. To tie it back to the previous subject we were talking about, we now, this coming together of of brands and gaming studios to um, design games with, I think, brands in mind, with brands' needs in mind, is only going to grow more aggressive. And I think that two things have happened now, and I think our, our, our partnership here is the culmination of that. Two things have happened which allow the, I'd say, mainstreamization or democratization of, um, of big brand advertising in gaming. One is... Technology, which Anzu has brought to the table and has done a fantastic job, this is what made us fall in love with them in the first place, is technology which can render the ads, uh, I mean, bought programmatically, but can render the ads in the games beautifully, seamlessly, pixel perfect. I think uh, that was a component of technology which was missing to attract big advertisers. Um, it wasn't sleek enough. And then on the other hand, us partnering with them and adding an ad verification element to it now brings about the measurability, which is obviously um, a must for anyone who's going to allocate big budget towards a new challenge. So now that it's, as I call it, big, beautiful, and measurable, um, we're going to see so many more brands enter the space because they want the eyeballs, they want the omnipresence, they don't want to miss out on Gen Z and other generations who are playing gaming. And uh, we expect this to just uh, become more, more of a tighter partnership between the two. And I'm glad you bring up how tech has progressed because it fits into, I wanted to talk about the Louis Vuitton League of Legends partnership. There's no way that Louis Vuitton would have designed an in-game skin 
if they couldn't have picture perfect, pixel perfect detail on that skin. If this was, you know, five, uh, eight, nine years ago, even the skin would be, it'd be hard to get individual designs. And so the way technology has progressed has allowed uh, brands like, like Louis Vuitton, a fashion brand, to really put forth a style that they feel confident about in game. Uh, and then to Itamar, your point about that League of Legends and to the games that are now welcoming brands in, those fantasy worlds felt almost untouched by brands in a large way. It was hard to figure out how we're going to get a brand into something like League of Legends or something like World of Warcraft. And I think Louis Vuitton did a great job of, hey, these in-game skins are a thing. We're a fashion company. We're going to blend the real world and the fantasy world a little bit in this very unique partnership. So I think it all speaks to how brands are finding these unique ways to connect with games because you wouldn't have ever seen a brand in a, a fantasy, far out fantasy genre game in the past. And Louis Vuitton was like, no, we could figure out a way to insert our brand and make it uh, make sense for League of Legends. Yeah. And I mean, Mitch, maybe three, three, three points to add to, to what you just mentioned. I mean, as a brand, I mean, like, like we're, what brands are looking at is first, you know, the scale of, 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 of the right audience and they understand much better that gaming and esports can provide that. The second thing that they're looking at is the user experience. I mean, in the last five years, we saw mobile advertising growing very fast with a common ad format of basically a full screen ad. Now, basically a full screen ad, um, let's say in a mobile game, is says that the brand will force the user to stop playing the game in order to force a message so you can just later go back to the game. Now, as a brand, I'm not sure if that's the, the way you want to communicate with end users. So the user experience of, of letting the gamers play, so to speak, is, is, is in a crucial part. And then the, the third point is the ease of use of, of doing that. And that's where um, Czech and Daniel bring a lot of value to another platform of having a very easy way to get confidence of the effectiveness of, of the campaigns and, and comparing Apple to Apple for the first time ever between a campaign bought on a, let's say, on a news magazine publisher versus in the gaming space. Right. And so let's talk about a little bit about how the gaming space is so much different than how ads were delivered in the past. I mean, if you're, you buy a commercial, it's pretty easy to figure out about how many people viewed that commercial. Same with buying newspaper space in a magazine. You look at the print run, how many people you know, subscribe to that magazine. What's that added challenge of, say, a billboard in GTA, to use an earlier example? How does that make it so much more difficult for you to really calculate, not just did somebody see my ad, but also how did they see it? Did they process it? Was it viewable? Uh, how are all, are those challenges unique to the gaming space? Or did we see some of those challenges uh, in other ad forms in the past? Yeah, so I mean, I can give my, my two cents here. I mean, some ch challenges are, are, are similar and some are a bit different. Uh, you know, every place that there is money, there is fraud. So, so of course, um, um, like fighting fraud and giving confidence for the buyers that there is no fraud is, is a problem in the gaming space, but also in other verticals. Um, I think the areas where um, the gaming space is, is, provides unique challenges is first on this 3D environment concept most of the big games are are um, basically in a 3d world and there is there is not a lot of mediums today 
that advertisers uh, put their content in a 3D space. So 3D space can create a challenge of now how do you measure it and, and, and is, is the object being seen or not? Um, but, it, but if done right, it can be a powerful way to make the brand and content even more viewable. And that's um, the piece that Check and Anzu published a few days ago around ad viewability in a 3D world versus ad viewability in a 2D world. Um, so once we do the heavy lifting of solving those uh, bottlenecking challenges, we can provide uh, like an, an, an amazing uh, solution for the buyers. Yeah, and and to just to touch on how how viewability how is viewability measured and monitored today in the two in the realm of two D dis, traditional display advertising. So basically, an ad placement um, is monitored via you know sort of dots that we have on the screen tracking all the pixels of the ad placement. And when uh, and what viewability technology simply does is count how many of those pixels or what percentage of the ad placement's pixels were on the user's monitor and for how long, right? So the MRC, the Media Ratings Council, which has been sort of sort of become like the governing body regulator for ad measurement, um, defines ad, viewable ads as on-screen, um, I believe uh, today it's 50% of, of the ad placement's pixels on screen for at least one second continuously. Okay, so you can imagine someone, if you just scroll over the ad in a blitz, that wouldn't count. If it's not one second, it wouldn't count as viewable. And of course, if it's below the fold, it wouldn't count as viewable. Now that you can imagine, that does not require sophisticated technology uh, to be able to measure. That's, that's, that's very rudimentary. Uh, as Itamar said, the challenge that we're in a moving, dynamic 3D environment where the possibilities of the ads being displayed are infinite. It could be close to the screen, it could be far from the screen, it could be dark, it could be bright, it could be obstructed by an object. Um, and there was a lot of work on the back end um, you know, in building this solution together, which uh, required to be able to measure these kind of factors. And I think we've done quite a good job in saying, okay, what are the five, six parameters to measure and how to measure them that would constitute ad viewability and then let the advertisers say, okay, this is what matters to me and this is what counts as a viewable ad. So it's my it's a huge technological gap between doing viewability in 3D and with static 2D display. And, and Daniel, maybe I'll just add two more points, one around the, the ad angle, right? Because it's something we don't think a lot as marketers in in a 2D environment, but if the ad, if I see it like, like, you know, like the ad on the side, maybe it's not really seen, even though it's big and for a lot of time and, 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 and there is no object uh, hiding it. So, uh, of course, if, if the ad angle is more than 55 degrees, it's something that, that basically it will not be counted as a viewable impression. So that's, that's another area where the 3D world um, comes into place. And, and, and second is around how the creative changes over the dynamics of the game. So if now for a few seconds, the creative is pretty big because as the player, I'm close to it, then we can put maybe a full, uh, uh, like creative that has like a, like a more of a deeper communication uh, um, um, message versus if, it, if, if now I'm more far from the creative and it's smaller, maybe just a logo or just like a, a, a more simple, and sentence could make sense. 
So there's also opportunities of like playing with the creative and with the messaging according to the different demographics, according to the different stages of the game and, and according to, to the size of the creative. So when I'm, uh, I have some momentum and I'm winning the game, that's a good time because the gamer is more happier maybe to, to uh, put the content um, versus if now I'm losing, that's maybe not the best time to, to now show him the brand and content. Interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but it's all about a, a gamer's mindset. So say a victory screen of some sort is uh, better for a brand than somebody who's frustrated or losing. How would, a, how would you be able to figure out different points where you might be able to deliver a brand where a gamer is in a better mindset? Yeah, I mean, of course, there is two ways to look at it, right? So the brands want to be associated when, with winning and with uh, and champions and, and, and with positive things. But then also there, there is the, the gamer side of when he is like in a place to now consume content. So there is a, there is a lot of work we're doing around uh, making the ad experience and the game experience uh, more connected. Um, so, for example, the, the brand and content can change its size or uh, audio can be added when specific event triggers are happening. And that's some of the work we do with the, um, with the marketers of finding the best way to, to, uh, um, to communicate their message to the audience. Because, as I said before, it's not only reaching the right people, it's how do you reach them. And, and, and then, of course... Uh, um, after you, you do a fantastic job to be able to track a uh, report and audit that. And that is the part that basically check brought to, to the Anzu platform. Definitely. I want to bring it back a little bit and look at the big picture. We've talked about some of the brands and the way they've used in-game advertising. What is the added value of using an in-game advertising versus uh, say a different digital ad, like a banner ad? What does in-game advertising bring you that other forms of online advertising do not? Yeah. So, I mean, there's two interesting topics to, to discuss here. One is the various ways to put the ads in the games. And second, putting ads in games versus putting ads in, 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 in other environments. So first about ads in games, there is basically three ways to do that. There is the banners and the pop-up and the annoying adds the classical banners that are mainly po uh, um, common in um, mobile games. Uh, the problem there, it, just, it, it harms the user experience. So the big brands don't want to do that. And, uh, and of course, also the big, big games don't want to do that. There is hard-coded options that when the game publishes a new version, uh, uh, branded content can appear there, but then it's, you'll not be able to dynamically change the content of the, uh, like uh, like a, a on the fly after the game is launched, there is no analytics behind it, and and, and it's it's very uh, heavy campaigns that take a lot of time and, and and are very expensive. And there's the third option of in-game advertising and, and what we do here in Anzu. So I think it's pretty straightforward what how in-game advertising can enjoy the benefits of doing it automatic and doing it in an easy way versus having great user experience. So that's one topic. And then the second topic is ads in games versus ads in, 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 in other platforms. And of course, um, as a brand, you would want to enjoy all the benefits from all the different environments. So you look at, at, at social and search and digital out of home and TV, and then um, put like split between the different environments in the ad categories. 
And, and what we do basically in Anzu is we're bringing a new ad category called in-game advertising and, and, and working with the big brands to explain to them why this should be part of their mix. And a subset of that is that is the 3D world that not a lot of environments as gaming can give you an opportunity to advertise in, 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 in a 3D space. And Daniel touched around the benefits of advertising in the 3D world. Definitely. Yeah, there's so much interesting stuff that goes into that. And you mentioned hard coding. It's something that a lot of esports broadcasts are going to because uh, when you have online media, people use ad blockers like across the board almost. And hard coding ads allows you to get around some of those those blockers. In-game advertising does that as well, where the ad is just delivered there. It's part of the game. Uh, there's no real getting around it. So as so many brands struggle with how to reach this audience, in-game advertising feels like one of the biggest ones. And we've talked about some of the different brands that have entered this space, especially uh, Marvel and these TV and movie uh, series, Stranger Things, Star Wars, uh, those sort of partnerships, then Nike and fashion brands. I'm curious, where do you both think in-game advertising goes from here? What are some of the untapped uh, potential opportunities for brands to enter the esports and gaming space? just say from my perspective that I think that either some of the brands you mentioned, like, you know, Marvel and, and Stranger Things, you know, their brand equity revolves around realms which w work pretty, I think, go pretty naturally with gaming and the audiences. It's, it's, it's almost a natural fit. I think the more exciting thing is to see, I mean, you mentioned Louis Vuitton, for example, but um, mainstream brands who by no means have any natural affiliation to gaming or to the gaming audience. So they're more general population kind of, of, of brands um, have skin in the game and realize they have to be there. And you were asking your previous question being, you know, what are the benefits and why should advertisers be there? So I think, I think the, the, the benefits are quite apparent and it's about named, I think most of them, but um, there's one thing we should consider. I think they will, will come a time in the not too distant future where they can't afford not to be there. I mean, you think of a brand like, let's take Coca-Cola. Okay, I remember um, when I was 16, which is a while back now, I was traveling in Tanzania, in the most, which is itself a remote country, but in the most remote rural area, which had not seen probably you know, modern technology and a lot of other things um, at all. And I remember seeing a Coca-Cola, an old Coca-Cola billboard or something somewhere. They, so brands like Coca-Cola have built themselves as such a powerful global brand by this notion of omnipresence, right? We have to get everyone everywhere. Now, if you're telling me that a huge portion of today's generation, their eyeballs are fixated on games and that's where they are now and that's where they're going to be increasingly, uh, especially as, you know, gaming becomes more mainstream. When you think about, you know, uh, Google getting into gaming, for example, uh, and other such uh, examples, I think not having an in-game advertising strategy will be almost ridiculous in maybe, I don't know what the timeline for that is, if it's two years or five years or, or more or less, but I think it's, uh, it's inevitable. Yeah, I mean, Mitch, there's three groups that I think are, are, are interesting for this discussion. And first is just to continue the point from Daniel around hard-to-reach audiences. So young adults who... Um, um, watch less and less TV uh, in many cases are 
Um, gaming is, is, is a good place to find them. The CEO of, of Netflix was saying the other day that Fortnite is his biggest competitor. And so with, with having less and less options of, 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 of communicating with those audiences, gaming is basically becoming like an, a very important channel that marketers cannot neglect. So that's one. Second, there is an opportunity in gaming to clone real-world experiences. So if I have a football game and, 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 and in, the football, in, in the real football stadiums, brands are there, for those brands, that's like, like a very natural way to continue um, their um, brand awareness and their brand communication. So that's, that's the second group. And the third group is that it's important to remember there's 2.4 billion people in the world playing games. That's 86% of the people connected to the internet. So as a brand, let's say a brand from Asia who now wants to penetrate the, uh, um, the US or the European market, there's not a lot of platforms where we can have huge volumes and huge scales and being very effective around that. Um, of course, um, search and social are, but those platforms are first becoming very expensive. And, and number two, there is a concern of brand safety because of user-generated content something that doesn't really happen in the gaming space. I think brand safety is a great topic to wrap up on. Do you think it's a valid fear that games like, uh, we mentioned GTA, I haven't played GTA 5, but I'm pretty sure there are brands in GTA 5. That's classically the most violent game. Do you think this violence aspect is really a huge danger for a lot of brands or will attitudes begin to change and shift a little bit as uh, the gaming and real-world violence, that link is sort of severed as as it has been. Do you think those attitudes eventually change or will brands sort of avoid the more violent games across the board? Yeah, so, so Mitch, I was asked this exactly exact question a few weeks ago and then I asked that marketer a question back. You are known to be a big spender in, in football games. And in football, maybe the game itself is not as violent as the violent game. But what's happening outside of the game? People are drunk. People are getting murdered. They're, they're, people are getting injured. So there's much more violent out of the football game than with this gaming audience or esport audience that, yes, the game is, is violent, but what happens outside of the stadium? It's about talking about European football, by the way, I believe, with people getting drunk and murdered. But <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I mean, first, there is a shift in the mindset and brands are seeing those first party shooter games as a popular culture more and more and less as a violent environment. And saying that, that Louis Vuitton opened the door for luxury brands to look into esports, something that wasn't very popular, I believe first uh, movers like PepsiCo with Call of Duty um, is going to, to um, um, give confidence for more and more brands to do the same because a lot of the brands are just cloning what others are doing. Um, like for me, it, like eventually it will all be around like, you know, the user experience and the scale and, and, and then the effectiveness coming from it. I mean, if a company like Kantar was the leading company for brand effectiveness research, uh, research um, we'll show you. We'll show the, the brand a survey that this actually makes the brand stronger, being being more recognized, being more popular. With that fact, you cannot uh, 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 argue. So for me, it, it, eventually, data will will decide here. 
my, from my perspective, because we're, I mean, an advertising company and brand safety is um, about 50% of, of what we do with some of the world's biggest advertisers, we're seeing an interesting shift now. The term brand safety is gradually being phased out and replaced by the term brand suitability, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with. And this is the notion that brand safety is about, you know, is this content, you know, violent or not, or is it, you know, appropriate or not? And brand suitability is the idea that, you know, who's to say, the brand is to say, this is up to you. So brand suitability being the content, what's suitable um, for your brand? This means that we don't have to see everything in a sort of dichotomy of, you know, violent games versus, you know, benign um uh, PG-13 kind of games, um, but rather, you know, what works for you? And I think one of the exciting things that is we've been doing in brand safety um, over the past couple of years is develop technology which can better categorize what the article is about and not just look at, you know, just keywords, or of course keywords are not specifically relevant for gaming, but just to have a more complex understanding of the content and then let the advertiser match their own brand guidelines with that content, right? So once it used to be that if you were buying programmatically on a DSP, you'd have a segment, well, it still is the case in a lot of DSPs, but you would have a segment called um, sexual, okay, sexual content. And you'd either exclude that or include that. Now, we today understand the nuance that within sexual content, you can have hardcore pornography, or you can have, and you can have, you know, uh, relatively mild, what we call sexually suggestive content, like five ways to improve your sex life. And uh, the ability that, with the technology around natural language processing, right, image recognition, computer vision, allows us to, to dive into those nuances and to better define uh, what the, the content is about. We're also able to say, okay, this is sexually suggestive. This is hardcore pornography. You can... Exclude one, but don't exclude the other. So I think this shift to brand suitability will make it a more inclusive environment, and you won't see this sort of just broad, crude blacklisting of entire games because they have a bit of violence in them. So I'm fairly optimistic about that. I like the I like the use of suitability for sure because what's suitable for uh, a Pepsi or a Jack in the Box is not suitable for Pro- for Procter and Gamble. So allow each uh, brand to figure out where they want to stand on this. And then ultimately the best advertising, the advertising that always moves the needle isn't necessarily safe. You know, that was true of a lot of Nike ads uh, coming up. It's true of, you know, a lot of the ads that people and for better or for worse, get the most exposure are not necessarily ones that are considered safe. So I think it's good for advertisers to take that out of their lexicon and focus more on what makes sense for our brand, not necessarily uh, playing it safe all the time. So thank you both for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. Talk to you. It was a great ad nerd conversation. It's one of my favorites. I love advertising. Uh, Where can they check out what your partnership is about? Is there anything you want to plug right now uh, about the partnership, about what you two have been working on? Eduard, you want to take this one? Um, Yeah, sure. I mean, like, so, I mean, of course there is, um, the announcement we had with Check around bringing this solution for, for the market. And then recently we announced some first um, findings 
of like the data and in, 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 in what it, it, it actually means. And as you can assume, we're uh, cooking together some, some uh, more products for um, the esports sector and the game streaming sector. Um, so of course, like in, 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 in our um, social channels and our, in our website, uh, the audience can uh, stay tuned for more innovation coming soon. Yeah, and I'll add that, you know, I mean, ultimately, to those interested, I mean, Anzu, of course, is the enabler of uh, these beautiful uh, experience-changing ads, and we're, we're, we run on the back end to ensure measurability and viewability and, and, and fraud prevention. Uh, so uh, that's pretty much it. Very exciting stuff. Thank you both for joining the show. I hope you listen to this podcast and think about this podcast next time you see an in-game advertisement because trust me, you're going to be seeing plenty across esports and gaming at large. Uh, it's a great opportunity, a great growth space for advertisers as well. So thank you both for joining the show. Uh, that's all for this Esports Network podcast. Coming back to you next week. Thank you for having us. Have a good day.